Hello, hello, and welcome uh, from me to y'all. Glad you're at Jericho Road Church, uh, whether you're online or in person. Glad you guys are here. Um, let's do our shouts. What do we do? Love, love God and love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. All right, so we're in this uh, In the Background series, and uh, In the Background is sort of a nerdy kind of thing because it's not like the the famous like Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus and Paul and Peter, and we've been doing some of the minor people. And so today, here's a Bible nerd quiz for our obscure In the Background series, okay? And so there's a prize for this. Um, What is this person's other name? Let's see that person's name right here. Hobab. Hobab. He's also known as... Go ahead and raise your hand if you know that, right? No? Okay. Well, he's got another another name. So he's also known, known as Reuel. Who's that one? Reuel. Reuel. Okay. That didn't jog. Okay, we're not that Bible nerdy then. Um, all right. How about uh, Zipporah's dad? Anyone there with Zipporah's dad? What's his name? It's all the same guy, you guys. Zipporah's dad? <laughs> You know Zipporah, right? Oh, man. She, she's minor also, right? Okay, how about uh, Moses' father-in-law? Anyone know? I heard a Joshua. Jethro. Jethro. All right, in the back there. Here it goes. Jethro is him. He's coming this way. And I see you're with a friend here. You could have one for a friend, too. All right, all right, all right, all right. Jethro it is. All right. Uh, you may know Jethro from this. It's probably his most famous moment. This picture of him and uh, Moses, and yeah, so that's Jethro's most famous. Uh, I think that's uh, Sidney Portier or someone like that. Uh, so Prince of Egypt, that's where you might have seen that guy from. Uh, so today we're going to learn a little bit more about this influential and important man, but again, he's a in-the-background sound of person. You didn't know, like he had like four names and you know this kind of stuff. We didn't know that. And so last week, or two weeks ago, we looked at Aquila and Priscilla and their incredible ministry of, of individual, like uh, pouring into individuals and pouring into groups and using their house to do that. And, and last week, we looked at G- Jesus' women who were doing the ministry of provision and the ministry of pre- presence. And so today, we're going to look at Jethro. So we had like three points, then we had two points, and today we just really have one point. All we want to see when we're looking at Jethro is I want you to see uh, Jethro's, uh, his, his mentorship of Moses. So what we're looking at in Jethro's life is his mentorship. So that's all we're going today is in this category. When I was, uh, first became a Christian, I was lucky enough to have a, an incredible mentor. Um, so wh- when I first came to church, I was the, like one of the few, there were maybe one or two uh, white people at this church. I think uh, Jerry's dad was the other white person at this big, huge Korean church that I was going to when I first became a Christian. And I was so excited about God. I was on fire for him. I was serving so much. I was in elementary, like, uh, serving in the elementary department, so I would be there before the pastors, like when the ladies were cooking the, the breakfast ahead of time. I was like there with the old ladies in the morning, setting up. I was, you know, uh, stayed late. I went to every event. I helped out at everything, and uh, I, I came on Wednesdays, and I came on uh, Fridays, and I came on Sundays, and whenever there was anything, I, was, I just was so excited about church. And the lady who was uh, in charge of the elementary at that time, her name was Maria, and uh, she was telling her husband, she said, uh, hey, David, you need to really mentor this guy, like uh, this kid Sam. Like he's, in, he's like on fire for God. And, and uh, at that time, I didn't look so uh, similar to myself now. I, I was a little rougher around the edges. Uh, I was driving a motorcycle at the time. I had cool guy long bangs, or at least I thought they were cool, but probably nobody else did. I, I had shaved a cross in my hair, you know, and like I was like, like I was crazy on fire, so I was a screamer back then. I was like, ah, all like out of there. And then, uh, 
David is not that way. David is, uh, he was a math major at Carnegie Mellon. And so I have a picture of David. So this is uh, David here. Yeah, that's him. So, and his wife was telling him to mentor this like out of control, like crazy white kid. And he said, no, his hum, there's no way. He said, we have nothing in common. I'm not going to mentor that guy at all. And she kept bugging him and bugging him. And eventually uh, he decided to uh, help me out and uh, mentor me. And so uh, always blessed, but that's Dr. David Rim. He wasn't a doc doctor at the time, but that is now. And in, uh, in our story of Jethro, Jethro doesn't seem quite as reluctant as David was for me. Um, but we meet Jethro here in Exodus chapter 2. So this is a story of Moses where it starts out. Moses fled from the Pharaoh and he went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian, that's Jethro, he had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill their troughs uh, to water their father's flock. Now some other shepherds came along and they drove them away. But Moses, he got up and he came to their rescue and he watered their flock. When the girls returned to Reol, also known as Jethro, their father, he said like, Why, why'd you guys come back so early today? And they said, well, an Egyptian rescued us from these shepherds. He even drew water for us. Uh, and he watered the flock. And Reel's looking around, and he goes, where is he? He asked the daughters, why'd you leave him back there then? Invite him uh, uh, to have something to eat. So Moses agreed to stay with the man, and uh, who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Wow. So immediately we see here Jethro, he's uh, pretty hospitable. We know him, he's a priest in Midian, and we're going to find out later, he's not a, a pagan priest, he's actually a priest of Yahweh which is he doesn't come out of, uh, with Moses out of Egypt. Kind of He's over in Midian living and serving God as a priest uh, in Midian. And so we, this is where we first meet him. And uh, he acts, act, acts pretty hospitably towards Moses. He recognizes Moses' good deeds, and he wishes to bring him into his home and eat together. This is a sign of friendship. Now, it's a pretty interesting passage. Good, pop that, the end up there. Uh, it seems that his daughters just like were like, hey, thanks that they left. And so he's like, hey... Go get that guy and invite him here. Now, clearly the Bible left something out, right? Because uh, at the last passage, we'll go to that last sentence now. At the last sentence, it says, uh, Moses agreed to stay with us, so he came to have dinner. And then it says, then he gave Zipporah his wife in marriage. So obviously the Bible's left a little bit out right there. So he didn't just come to dinner here, have my wife, have my daughter as your wife, you know? And so uh, we know a little bit is missing. But that's our introduction to Jethro. He he gives his daughter Zipporah away to this guy, Moses. Now, Moses is really famous, right? Moses is top two, probably in the Old Testament, Abraham and Moses. Probably that's kind of it. Maybe Adam and Eve, but you know, no one really likes them because they jacked up the whole world, right? And so, like, is that? But Moses and Abraham, everyone kind of likes them. They know him. But here's Jethro uh, taking this guy in as he was fleeing from uh, his old life in the Pharaoh's court where he was an adopted son of the Pharaoh, or the Pharaoh's daughter, I mean, a Pharaoh's, yeah, daughter. Uh, so the next chapter, here's some more uh, Jethro. So now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And this is that whole burning bush moment. We all know about that. Yeah, whoa, burning bush, right? And so as with most in the background folks, you may have totally whizzed by Jethro right there. If I hadn't mentioned we're talking about Jethro, you probably wouldn't have even registered that his name was in this passage. But here we have Moses. What is he doing? He's tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. 
So Jethro invites Moses to learn alongside him. Moses was a, a kid of the of royal court. He had never shepherded anything. He hadn't been in, in, the, in the animal business at all. And here we see him tending the flock of his father-in-law. So, so Jethro has brought him alongside. He's mentoring him in life. He's, he's mentoring him in business. In this case, the business was the business of livestock. So I'm talking about today in our singular most powerful takeaway, all we're talking about is Jethro as a mentor. In the rest of the passages that we're going to see about him, I want us to really key in on this because I think we can run by names really fast. And I'm pretty familiar with the Bible, so I can run through it. But one of the really cool things about the Bible, and one of the, I think one of the most fun things is that sometimes you can read the same passage and get something totally different out of it if you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. And so sometimes I, I, I'm looking at that passage, I'm always looking through the eyes of Moses normally, right? It's Moses, 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 because he's the famous one. But as we look today, I want you to look through the eyes of Jethro. What, what we want to notice is everything that Jethro is doing, how he's interacting, how he's acting. Because always what we're tempted to do is jump to like, and then Moses did this, and Moses, and then that's all we see in here. But rather, these are real folks, and real life is happening to them. And it's really cool that if we just change our perspective, like if we just look at the past, same passage a little bit different, something incredible comes out of it. And that's the beauty of Scripture. You can study it. You, you may have read this passage before, but you come with a slightly different perspective, and you see something totally fresh. And in another maybe a year or something, you're looking at the, the same passage again, and, and God reveals something again to you. And so today... Uh, uh, we're just going to look at uh, Jethro and his mentoring. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a list of ranking of people in the Bible, right, that I like. So, you know, Jesus is there, and I, like, uh, I, I kind of like Paul a little bit. I like Timothy a lot. I like Habakkuk. I like some guys. And uh, Jethro had never made my list before. But as I've been preparing and sort of sitting in Jethro for the last couple of months here, uh, and then intensively the last couple of weeks, like Jethro's really, he's moved up on my list, I'll be honest. I, he may be cracking the top ten at this point. You know, uh, Deborah's on my list, she's super high. And, and so, but, but Jethro, after, after looking at what he does, and, and he's an in-the-background person, he's not that famous, uh, I, I think he's moving up on my list. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll move up on your list as we look at him today. So after that whole burning bush with Moses thing, uh, Moses comes back to Jethro and, he, and he's talking to him. And this is in Exodus chapter 4. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said to him, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. And here's Jethro's response. Go, and I'll wish you well. So Jethro knows that caring for Moses means allowing him the space to do something that's really important to him. See, Jethro isn't like latching on or grabbing on or controlling or telling him exactly how to do it or navigating his path for him. And we're talking about mentorship. That's not what mentors do. They don't tell you what to do, but rather they come alongside you and help you do what God wants you to do best. And so mentors help you follow God better. And Moses said, hey, I met with God. I'm, he's telling Jethro this story. And, and what's Jethro's response? He says, go, and I wish you well. Now, now Moses is part of the, now the family. This is his, so his daughter's husband is going to leave for how long? And how dangerous is that going to be? And that he's got grandkids. Moses has children at this point. He's going to leave the kids too? And, and Moses is in charge of what was he doing a little bit earlier? Moses was tending the flocks. of. He's part of the, the family business. And what's he say? Go, 
and I wish you well. Not begrudgingly go, not like, oh, if you have to go. But, but Jethro knows it's not all about him. As a mentor of Moses, he says, Moses, you need to follow what God tells you to do. And mentors help empower us to be everything that we can be. Not their agenda, but rather God's agenda. And so fast forward, like uh, Moses goes to Egypt, the whole, like, let my people go. Oh, yeah, yeah, plagues, plagues, plagues. And they come out now. And so now, now they're coming out, and they're uh, going into the promised land. It's, it's on this journey now. So Jethro has been away from Moses for all that time. Moses leading a million people back out. So now uh, we get to Exodus chapter 18, and Jethro meets back up with him. Now Jethro, this is, uh, 18 is his chapter. Almost the whole chapter is all about Jethro. Well, some people say Moses, but I say Jethro now. Right? So now Jethro, he's the, the priest of Midian. Now, I wonder why it says this so many times, the father-in-law of Moses. And I think it says it so many times because he has so many names. He has Hobab and Reel and Jethro and priest of Midian and Zipporah. Like, he's got all these. So the Bible's like, this guy we're talking about. So we're talking about Jethro, the priest of Midian, the father-in-law of Moses. He heard everything that God had done for Moses and for the people of Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So after, after Moses had sent his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law, Jethro, received her and her two sons. So he had gone to Egypt. He sent the family back for a little while. And now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is bringing the family to reunite them. Together with Moses' son and wife, he came to uh, him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Now Jethro had sent word to him. He said, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. So what are we seeing here? Jethro remains available to help out. So Moses was doing th his thing in Egypt. It got a little bit dicey, so he sent the, the daughter and the, the sons, uh, Moses' sons, his grandkids back. And, and he received them, and he held them, and he kept them safe. And then when Moses was in a better place, he brought them back up. And then he reunited their family. He enables Moses to focus on the task that God has for him at hand by being a support system for him. Isn't that exactly what that looks like? Sometimes life is so crazy and you need someone to just watch your kids for an evening so you can go drink wine or whatever you need to do, right? I mean, uh, so you can go pray, prayer mountain or something, right? right? Sometimes you just need someone to take the kids and the wife, not the wife ever, but the kids, <laughs> and you just need to do a couple of things. And to have that support system where Jethro's like, okay, I'm here, I'm available, I'll take them for, not permanently, I'm not taking over your job, I'll hold them for a second, now you've got to have them back, because they bugging me too, you know. <laughs> and then we see he's courteous, Jethro's pretty courteous, what does he do? He's, he warns his in-law that he's going to come and visit. Oh man, that's so courteous, right? Can you imagine your in-laws showed up on your doorstep without warning you? That would be awesome. I would really love that if that happened. That says no one ever. And it doesn't mean that you don't like them. It's just crazy if they just show up. And so he says, hey, he sent some guys ahead of time. I'm going to be coming in. Just want to let you know I'm showing up. Exodus continuing on in the same passage. So Moses, he goes out and he meets his father-in-law and he bowed down and he kissed him and they greeted each other and they, they went into the tent and Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to, the, to, the, to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and he told him about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. You see how he greets his son-in-law? Moses comes and he bows down, and then he, this is not the same motion, you can't bow and kiss at the same time, so he bows down, then he gets up and he kisses him. Man, one thing I, I really love about, a lot of our folks here are Asians, one of the things I love about Asian culture is that they're so respectful to the, to the elders and their parents, and I see that right here, but I see the other great side of it. Sometimes uh, when you're overly respectful, you miss a bit of the affection, but here I see both of them. 
He, he bows down and there's this respect and then he, he receives him in affection. So yeah, there, that mentorship, there's a respect part, but there's also an affection part and that is so cool. And so I, I would love to, to add that to, to some of the great traditions that we get from our Asian friends. Like my wife is Korean and uh, we do the, on New Year's, uh, we do sebe, so they, the kids bow down and you give them money and then you tell them, study harder and you hit them on the head. That's how I think you're supposed to do it. But uh, so they bowed down. I love the respect part. But we started to add, uh, several years ago, we started to add a second part where we, we said, after they bowed, they said, you know, Happy New Year and stuff. And we, we give them money. And we, but we bring them over. And we kiss them. And we hug them. And we pray over them. So we, we get the respect part. But we also make sure to have the affection part. And we, and we pray over the advice for them. And so that, that's a cool thing that our family's been able to do as we sort of blend two cultures, you know. So they, they were just doing it the other way. And I was like, no, nah, let's do a little bit more. Let's do some American stuff too in there. You know, let's have some affection and, and that kind of stuff. And, and I love this about Jethro for Moses. He's really modeling how a respectful relationship works. Yes, there's the respect, but there's also the affection. It's so powerful. So... Um, uh, moving on here in the same passage, Jethro was delighted to hear. Oh, the other thing we saw right there is he let Moses talk. Moses told him all about everything. So he's a great listener. He's not jumping in. He's, Moses is telling him the story, and he listens and listens and listens. Now, Jethro and, was delighted to hear about all the good things that the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing from the hand of the Egyptians. So he's told this whole story, and here's what he says. Here's his first response back to him. Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I, now I know that the, the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. And so Jethro is delighted to hear about God's work in, in Moses' life. That's what a biblical mentor is talking about. He's near to God and he cares about the God things. The first thing after hearing this, he says, it's all God. Let's praise God. Let's look to him. See, godly mentors put God before their own advice. Jethro gives God his due, not himself. He doesn't say, Moses, man, you did a really good job, great job. You know, boom, you had that courage, you spoke at No, he said, this is all God. And then he says, let's, Let's do some worship. Like, let's just pause right now. And we're going to, let's sacrifice an animal to God. Let, let's, eat a, let's eat that animal in the presence of God. And let's just do a, a how long does that take? Kill an animal, cook, da, da, da. all in the presence of God is five, six hours. Mentors create time and space for you to be able to connect with God. You create intentional time where, where uh, spirituality and God things are brought into the center of stuff. And I know with my, my mentor, Pastor David Rim, um, he would say, hey, Saturday morning, I need you to come out to, to Newport at, at 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. And I'd say, okay, we'd go out there. And then a couple other people he was mentoring, uh, one of them, you know, like Sam Kim, uh, music Sam Kim, he'd go out there, and, and he's this amazing musician, and, you know, the, the, they have those jetty rocks, uh, and then he'd be on that rock singing, and we're worshiping, and it's like morning. And I hate the morning, but, but not when I'm with those folks. Have an intentional time where it's, it's, it's this worship to God, where it's, where it's all about God. And, and that's what godly mentors do. They create space to just have time where you can be with God. In the same passage, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, 
what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? You ask them a question. Good mentors ask questions. They help us re-examine our lives, our decisions, and our current frame of mind. Many of you know that, that I was an extreme legalist when I first came to the Lord. Uh, no secular music, no PG-13 or worse movies, like all this kind of... I was, I saw, I was like a sin ex-ninja. I could see sin everywhere. I could see sin five steps away before it became sin, like that pre-cogs in Minority Report, if you saw that movie. You know, I, I was like, I could see sin from a mile away, and I could see it brewing in someone's eyes. So, uh, I, I thought that I was the sin master. You know, I, I've told this story before. When at this retreat, there was a guy who was drawing on someone else, a great artist who was drawing on their arm, and I said, that's bad, and I screamed at this kid, and and uh, said, that's, that's wrong because that person then maybe will like tattoos. And then if they like tattoos, maybe they'll get in a gang. And if they get in a gang, maybe they'll do something sinful. See? So that, ta- that, that drawing there must be sinful. No, it must not be. But that's what I literally said to this kid. And my mentor was watching. And we were about to go on a prayer walk at one of these retreats where you just walk for 30 or 40 minutes into the hills and meet with Jesus. And, and he walked over. We're walking up right to the head of the trail. And he goes, well, you know, Sam, I, I noticed, uh, I'm talking to Robin over there, and he said, well, you know, you're really good at noticing sin. And I said, don't say damn right, but I was like, dang right, right? Because <laughs> I didn't say no bad words. I never would say a bad word. <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> and so uh, we started on the prayer walk, and I was like 10 or 15 steps into this prayer walk, and I was like, yeah, I am good at seeing sin. I see sin before sin happens, and and that kid's a sinner, bad sin, 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 right? And uh, probably about 50 feet into this prayer walk, all of a sudden I was like, oh, that wasn't a compliment. I was like, oh, you, you Jedi. <laughs> like, what did you do? And I just started crying because all I saw when that kid was doing that was sin. I didn't see that they were hanging out. I didn't see that he's a great artist. I didn't tell him, like, what amazing work that was and, and how neat that it was that he would spend time with someone else and, and they, they were probably writing, God loves you. I don't even know what he was writing on the arm, but probably something great. And all I saw was sin, and I couldn't see anything else in this person. And God just convicted me of that uh, during that prayer walk. And, and so I think that's what good mentors do. They help us to reexamine our lives, maybe with a, a question or a comment or, or something. Here's how Moses answered Jethro when Jethro told him, hey, what are you doing? Here's what Moses says. He says, because the people come to seek me for God's will. So you got a righteous answer, right? Why are you doing all that stuff? Why are you doing it all alone? He said, well, because they're coming to me for God's will. I'm doing God's work right here. Whatever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties, and I inform them of God's decrees and his instructions. And Moses, his father-in-law, says, what you're doing is not good. Oh, man, he just tried to say I was all, I'm doing God's thing, you know. And, and Jethro says, no, you're not. What you're doing is not good. Jethro's willing to call a spade a spade, right? He doesn't soft pedal when something's clearly out of balance. One of the biggest values to having a Christian mentor in your life is they're able to speak truth into your life, even when that truth is hard to hear. Now, I'm sure Moses thought he was doing the right thing. He was certain of it. That's why he was doing it. He's trying to follow God. It's not that he wasn't trying to follow God. He's trying to give them, he's, I'm going to tell them God's will. But Jethro says, hey, that's not good what you're doing. And here's why. He explains it. He says, 
You and these people uh, who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work's too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. This is in 18 and 18. Listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the, the way they're to live and how they're to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all the times. But have them bring every like difficult case to you. The simple cases they could decide themselves. That'll make your load lighter because they'll share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and these people will go home satisfied. See, mentors help you see the burnout before it actually happens. They help you see if your, your life is out of balance. Moses' life was out of balance and he thought he could do all this stuff, but he needed people to help him. Mentors give good advice, but Jethro says only follow the advice if it God commands it. Because he recognizes the limitations of advice in the face of God moving. So if God says to you, Moses, like, keep, keep up what you're doing, do that. But from my perspective, the advice I would give is this. And unless God says differently, you should probably follow that. Mentors help us see obviously, obvious things that are not always so obvious to us. Isn't that true in life? Like sometimes it's so obvious, if you have ever parented, it's so obvious what your kid is doing is wrong, bad, or whatever, but it's not obvious to them. And so sometimes it's important to have someone help us see the obvious thing. Sometimes it's impossible to see even an easy answer when you're in the midst of a problem. And now back to our parents, when you're fighting with your spouse, how hard is it to see the solution? Right? All I see is the problem because you're, because you're in it. That's why like marriage counselors are so important. It's not, not because like they know everything, but because they're not in it. They're not, they're not trapped by the problem. And they can help you see solutions maybe that you couldn't possibly see yourself just because you're in that situation. And it wasn't that they were trying to do bad, right? Moses is trying to do good. But sometimes you're so near to the thing you can't see the solution. That's why it's important to have other people who can speak into your life as mentors, as people come alongside of you. And Exodus 18 finishes this way. Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did everything he said. So the great Moses <laughs> was like, yeah, you're right. So Jethro then, Jethro is better than Moses, right? Because Moses did everything Jethro said. So that's why he moves up on my ranking, right? Now he's like number seven of, of great people in the Bible. Now a year or so later, uh, so Jethro goes back home and a year or so later he comes back and they have just this short interaction really here. In Numbers chapter 10, it records it. Now Moses said to Hobab, son of Reuel the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, just because it's always confusing, right? Uh, we're setting out for this place which the Lord said, I'll give to you. Come with us and we'll treat you well. For the Lord promised good things to Israel. And he said, no, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to go hang out with my people. But Moses said to him, please, like, don't leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness because this is his area, right? You could be our eyes. If you come with us, we'll share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. So they, so he agreed to it, they set out from the mountain of the Lord. Now I include the last passage to show that like mentorship is really about sharing a life learned. Like he's like, hey, we're not from this area. Uh, uh, Jethro's a Midianite. He's from the area that they're going to walk through. And he says, hey, can you just come with us and, and help point out some of the, the pitfalls? 
Show us where to camp. Show us where's a, uh, where we could get water for the flock. Show us where, where's a good place to be defensive against our enemies, that kind of stuff. And, and so it's just about a life lived. And, and mentorship uh, is about sharing life with someone. And, and it doesn't always have to be, so I don't think there's, remember, a secular or a spiritual divide, but it doesn't always have to be so classically spiritual, like, oh, I'm, but sometimes it's just like, hey, let me show you how to navigate this life a little bit better. Hey, let me show you how to, how to avoid this pitfall as you go about your business or, or this pitfall as you go about your relationship. Mentors help us avoid pitfalls because they've lived a life and they've seen some things. So this passage is literal for, like, he's like, no, literally show us where not to, like, you know, where to walk. But, but I think it, it speaks also even more to the idea of mentors can spiritually help us know where to walk best because they've lived a life. So here's the deal with GRC. I think being a mentor doesn't mean that you have all the attributes of, of Jethro, and he's not perfect in any sense. But rather, he's an example of how one person can build into it or mentor another person. I know our leadership board's vision for this church, and, and my heart's desire for our church is, is that you would see yourself as a mentor. That you would look at yourself and you say, God has created me to be a mentor for someone else. And, and, that each of you would see your own need to be mentored by others. That you would see both parts of it at our church. God, I absolutely need uh, men who are ahead of me, men and women who are in relationship ahead of me who will help me navigate my relationships, help me navigate leading a church better. And I need people who I can invest in and help them become everything God wants them to be. I know our young families in our small group have consistently said like how valuable and how thankful they are for the older couples who can say like it's okay that your kids are screaming and you feel crazy right now. You're not crazy. It's a phase. It will pass. Hold on. Just hold on a little bit more. And I've heard many, many times about our young couples thinking and being so grateful for our older couples offering that kind of advice. If you're an older couple here, you are 100% needed and necessary to be plugged into small groups or or taking it upon yourself to individually mentor people. That is your responsibility as part of this church. Now, I know that our older guys, they really loved uh, beating or mentoring the young guys in basketball last week. They really appreciated that you guys let them have that time of mentorship over you, uh, two games to nothing. But I, I really I, I want to thank the young guys for, for letting us win. That's what they said to me. Uh, he said, uh, letting us win so we could feel young again, something like that. At least we felt young again until the next morning when we couldn't walk. And, uh, but those kind of relationships are really important. I love that we did that last week and, uh, and that, that that would begin some relationships intergenerationally in our church. But it's not just old people who should be mentoring because there's some of you here are, are in college or there's some junior hires who come into to our service here. Uh, junior hires should be mentoring. You should be a mentor. Well, who can you mentor? There's a whole boatload of elementary kids right over there, and they're not hearing this message, so you've got to go mentor one of them. They, what does it look like to be a godly junior hire? What does it look like to navigate in this church? How do you join this adult church after elementary? Like, ah, what do I do, you know? Our youth kids or, or our college kids, a lot of our college and youth are in the booth here, so our college guys uh, and girls are showing the high school guys how to navigate in this kind of church. And they can share the life. Well, what's it like to go to college? How, how do you prepare yourself? What are some things to look for? So you've got life to share, whether you're in college or whether you're in junior high. And so mentorship is for everybody, not just old people. 
Mentoring is an in-the-background ministry, and it is for everyone. So if we want to grow in our faith, and as human beings, I think it's critical for us to have mentors in our life. That's equal, equally critical for us to mentor people. And I know that like many of our folks here in Jericho Road are already doing that. I've seen you guys doing it informally. I see you do it as part of the church. And, and I just applaud. I'm so thankful for that. And I just kind of want to double down on some of those strengths. I know that you've invi been inviting people home to your houses, many of you couples, some of the younger couples, and you've had them over. That's so incredible and such a blessing. I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And some of you uh, older college and young adults, you've taken upon yourself to care about the younger folks. And, you know, I know we have three or four college people right now teaching in the elementary department. We have some that are blessing people in service right here. And so our, our church is stronger because of your investment in one another as an intergenerational church. And by intergenerational, that means that we have people who are mentoring all up and down the line of ages. So let's close our service by once again looking towards God and worshiping Him together from our junior hires to our higher agers. And so would you stand with me and we're going to close our service with worship.